This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hey folks, this is Brian O'Halloran. You may know me from such films as Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, and a whole bunch of USQ films. And you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft. But I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go. Live life and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard words, but no faith is empty. I stayed the course, so my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Now come on and let's get it. Talk Time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Now come on. And let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. gentlemen welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live the prime show i am your host xavier josiah hope everybody's having a great weekend this is episode 323 and i mention that just because you know I never really talk about that, but going through the motions with this show, you just keep it moving and keep it going. And 323 episodes of the Prime Show. That's not even counting the, I believe, 200 and some episodes of Select Start, which is actually, aside from this being a flagship show, that is the longest running show that we've done. Because, you know, if anybody has followed this show since the beginning, we had multiple shows i've had you know this is including having multiple co-hosts um we had shows that were covering comic books we had shows that were you know short-lived shows that uh covered the comic book tv shows and series and whatnot that we watch on a weekly basis we covered a lot of things even bad movies at one point um we covered it all just like to see this next generation still going with 323 and that's not even counting the 200 and some episodes of select start it's just pretty awesome you gotta stop and for for therapeutic purposes for self-efficacy purposes you should always stop to look at everything that you've done prior to now to you know it it helps to revitalize yourself it helps to reinvigorate yourself especially when you're going through the motions and you sometimes feel like you're not doing enough in life and you're not doing as much and then you turn around and look back at everything that you know was happening in your path and you like, wow, I did all this, you know, so just always look back at that and 
you'll find out that you've done way more than you've possibly have even dreamed or even thought of in your path. So just a little something there. But I digress. We have a loaded show for all of you today. We got, you know, some new information of shows to come, trailers, all that stuff that we're going to talk about that has happened this week in the world of our favorite fandoms. But in our talk topic of the week, we're going to cover what I believe is the final installment of the phase four of MCU films, and that is Thor Love and Thunder. We're going to talk about that in all of its glory and details from that crazy, crazy, really insightful movie. Um, and uh, that'll pretty much do it from there. You know, this is going to be a big week of information, period. Like just, you know, the, the information I have now, this is just the beginning. We got tons of information coming down leading to San Diego Comic-Con. As you know, we talked about this before. Marvel is making their return. Marvel Studios, just to say, is making their return to Hall H. So guaranteed there's going to be tons of information coming from that, coming from all, you know, types of other information. We might get some new trailers that we're going to be talking about. Um, even next week, uh, in preparation for that, I'm going to be talking about what are what to be expected from San Diego Comic-Con. Um thoughts and predictions maybe not only from myself maybe from the acmg facebook group as well you know what if they participate in giving their comments on that so um so we're going to be talking about all that it's going to be so much like i don't know if that's going to be the talk topic of next week but we're definitely going to be talking about it and the week of the weekend of uh san diego comic-con the entire episode will be dedicated to that like every if you've listened to the show you know, for years on it, you know that when we do San Diego Comic-Con episodes, they usually take up the entire show. There's no reviews or anything to that nature. It's just, you know, if anything we review, it's the presentation and announcements and information that comes in from that big event. So uh, we're going to do all that. But this episode, we're going to have a lot of information as, as well. So let's not waste any time, folks. Let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. And now, it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG. Alright folks, so let's start off with a trailer that I've been dying to see for quite some time, ever since I uh, I attended Fan Expo this year, uh, every ever since I got a chance to interview Brian O'Halloran, who plays Dante Hicks of the Clerks series, and we finally got to see Clerks three, the trailer that has everybody talking during this week. It was an absolute awesome, awesome, awesome trailer that we got a chance to see, and I am looking very much forward to what's to come and um you know if you remember the interview that i spoke with with uh brian o'halloran at uh fan expo uh we talked about briefly what to expect from the trailer and he didn't give he gave a vague understanding because you, you don't want to give away the details and that's understandable but he gave us some intel of what to expect from this trailer and it's going to be an itch i can see that it is going to hit a lot of you know factors in this trailer and basically what we saw is very interesting because um we saw randall you know these guys are older now this is this is another stage of their life you know we watched the original in the 90s you know they were young we saw part two they were a little bit older 
you know, and still in Jersey or whatever, doing what, you know, living, working the shifts. And then they end up owning the, the quick stop again. They end up buying a quick stop. Now here, they're much older. They're like in the forties, maybe fifties even. And Randall all of a sudden gets a heart attack, apparently of some, of some nature. And he now is, you know, seeing his life flash before his eyes and he's starting to realize, you know, did he really waste his life just watching movies and whatnot throughout his life? Um, it is, Dante, who gives him the idea of like, okay, I always thought that you could have, you know, made your own movie, made a cool movie. So it inspires Randall to actually create a movie. This is the funny part based on their life at the Quickie Mart, which in reality is in fact the life, uh, which is actually the story of Clerks, which also for those who may not know is Kevin you know kevin smith's actual life he wrote the his life into the movie clerks and they're kind of replaying that whole entire thing but this time using uh randall and dante to do it i mean not uh and it is hilarious they got a lot of really cool cameos in here of course ben affleck is in here there's a lot of familiar faces in here as well one in particular part that i loved in here was at the end of the trailer where they were making fun of this deleted scene that it that you know hit the cutting um, uh, board or hit the chopping block or whatever you want to call it so basically for those who don't know or though you know fans of the series they know this there was a deleted scene where dante was going to get you know was going to die he was going to get shot and killed at the end of the original clerks and the, the funny part is i believe that the guy that they're using the actor that they're using to portray this scene is the original actor who played in that scene from back in the day. So they cut it, you know, just because it was too dark and that's how they're going to end. They're going to, they're, Kevin was going to end killing Dante in, in the movie. Luckily they didn't. And, and later on, we, you know, we end up getting two and now three, you know, had he done that, there would be no two and three. And they made fun of that whole entire thing because Dante is like, you know, what are you going to kill? You're going to kill me? off like you know what if we have a sequel and brando's like what are you talking about what are we a hack and then they show um silent bob who's kevin smith you know pointing a finger at aha <laughs> so there's a there's gonna be a lot of you know this is a love letter to the original clerks and i think this is gonna be a beautiful beautiful ending to this entire trilogy in the skewer verse and whatnot and you know we're going to see a lot of familiar faces i i already saw imdb there's going to be a, some old faces from the original movie that's coming some you know faces familiar faces from the skewer verse from other movies like chasing amy and all that stuff i mean you saw ben affleck so it's possible that he could be playing himself or he could be playing one of the characters he played on chasing amy and whatnot so it, it's going to be awesome i'm pretty sure matt damon has got to be in this movie in some form or fashion too so it, you know i mean he i think he just i don't know if he just played in um i i don't know if he i forgot i think he played more um more than one character but i he was familiar um playing on uh dogma as well so i don't know if they're gonna bring him back as low-key or whatnot but it's just gonna be very interesting which i just dawned on me he did play Loki on the Scoreverse, so it's really funny that he plays on the Thor series as Loki as well. Oh, how I'll, I'll be it, it's hilarious. So, um, or wait, was he Loki? I'm pretty sure, was he Loki on uh Dogma? 
Yeah, he was. He absolutely was low-key on Dogma. And it just hit me right now that he plays low-key on the actual. So that it I I never that never ever come to come to theory until now. So there's the uh significant Easter egg on Thor Ragnarok and Thor Love and Thunder. <laughs> so it'll be really awesome if he if he appears on the show uh in the movie but i'm looking forward to it it looks awesome and it's just covering the next stage of their lives and everything i, I love it there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be happening in this film that i'm looking forward to so rosario dawson returns uh as well and um a whole bunch of other you know people from the from the movie from part two and part three is going to be on there so a lot of changes uh trevor uh what is his name trevor Furman, who plays elias is going to be an interesting character because it looks like he is turning it, it, they they turned him into the dark side here he's like a goth or whatever it's probably everything the opposite of what he was in part two so I, I i can't wait to see this so it is coming out later this year i am looking forward to this and um i can't stress this enough this is a like i said this is a movie that is literally the original clerks changed my life and by the way speaking of that um i you guys heard that um i a few a few episodes ago when during the fan expo i did play an audio of me thanking kevin smith uh for that movie and what is you know how it inspired me and encouraged me to actually do what i am doing pretty much now and what i've been doing for the past few years and you know originally before it's become a thing i literally left my my job because I looked at that movie and kept on looking at that movie throughout years afterwards and was like, you know, if I'm not happy, why am I here? You know, which is something that happened at the end of the first Clerks movie and Dante and Randall had their first fight in the movie. Uh, by the way, again, if you watched the interview I had with Brian O'Halloran, he guarantees and declares that there will be another fight. <laughs> but it's gonna be fight with two older guys right it's so yeah man um can't wait this is coming out i think this is coming out like in uh august of some sort or so. I, I i'm just looking very much forward to this i can't stress that enough i can't say it enough so there you have it um another movie or a series actually that is coming out this week on netflix believe it or not is evolving resident evil this series is, uh, you know, based on the video game, the ever popular Capcom uh, survival horror, the innovators of survival horrors, if you will. It's coming out next week on the 14th. Uh, what is that? A Thursday. I don't know if all the episodes will be playing at once or they will have they haven't you know, expressed whether they're going to just dump all the episodes in or it's going to be a weekly thing. But it's coming and it's loosely based on the game's original narrative kind of focuses on the fan, the Wesker, the Wesker family, uh, in particular, the daughter Jade Wesker, as they try to find a cure, you know, for the world's epidemic caused by the T virus that Wesker, uh, Albert Wesker made. The show will venture through the future and past. So you'll get to see a lot of flashbacks of everything that, you know, to get an understanding of what led to all of this coming up. Um, in the journey of jade so she's pretty much the uh main character of this uh series now also know that this is a like i said this is loosely based in a different take on the actual video game 
you will notice some, you know, different aspects of the characters. For instance, uh, Albert Wesker is black and he's played by Lance Riddick, who you, a lot of you guys know as Silence from uh, the Horizon Zero series or the Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West series. He's played in a ton of other movies, live action movies as well. John Wick, um, host of others as well. I mean, he's TV shows and in, 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 this guy's been everywhere. So, it, you know, if they're going to change the, you know, the uh, not gender, but the um, the race of the character, you know, Lance Riddick is actually a really dope pick in casting for this character. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with this because the trailer and the uh, little short behind the scenes video that netflix put out kind of shows him as a guy with good intentions but when we anybody who's played the game or saw you know albert wesker in any format of whatever whether you played the actual resident evil games or you may have actually played him up who appeared on like marvel versus capcom and other things you kind of know that this dude is like the main antagonist and bad guy for the resident evil world so it'll be interesting to see where his morals and ethics lie through this whole thing and it did you know was it just literally a mistake or what was their actual intentions to create what's going on right now so we will see but it's coming out the 14th this thursday and uh i may check it out I'm, now i've not been a fan of resident evil not because i think it's a bad game but it's just i'm not into survival horror movies now with that said if you guys remember, I did actually play one Resident Evil game and beat one Resident Evil game. In fact, actually, I might have hit two. I definitely beat uh, part six. Um, I, I, I beat Resident Evil six, but I might have also beaten uh, Resident Evil five as well. Because um, I, I remember getting those as they were on sale or something of that nature. And I just like, all right, if, if anything, I need to get one under my belt just to say that I actually played it and got through it. So that I did, and um, it was okay, but I'm not just into those survival horrors like that, but watching it as a series, much like I did Halo or something like that, I may actually give it a try. I may get a different aspect, or I might enjoy it in this format better than I would playing the game. Um, Cause I, I, I'm just not into playing. Look, I, I'll still refrain from playing the original game with the damn zombie doverman uh pinchers that come at you at through the window which a lot of which you um there, there will be a lot of familiar you know wink wink easter egg moments in this show that will give you get pay homage to a lot of things that you you know resident evil fans will have so enjoy it it's coming hopefully you'll enjoy it because i mean like it, it's not direct from source if you will there will be liberties taken from it so Let's see how you will. You know, there's going to be people online on social media who's going to, you know, bitch and complain about it's not original source. What is these days? Like even the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as much as we enjoy the the uh, MCU, it is not direct to source and they will let you know. But there are still people who just can't get it and they want direct to source material. It's hard to do that to get like years and years of mythology into three hours of movies. You just can't. So, I mean, there are things that sometimes they are going to take liberties with, but for the best part, you know, Marvel studios have proven 
that you can do it. You can make take some liberties and changes and still give you make it familiar to what you're used to with the Marvel brand. Miss Marvel is a great example of this, which we will be talking about very shortly. So stay tuned. Just, you know, have an open mind to this. See where they go with this. Hopefully they'll have enough lore to make it more familiar for fans. That's all we ask for. So we'll see. Um, speaking of MCU, there have been reports out now that has announced that Daredevil and Kingpin, as we all know, are officially back in the MCU, but we already knew that. What we didn't know is when we will see them next. Um, Charlie Cox and Vincent Dun- De, uh, Onferio, or Freo, I should say, uh, has been announced to return to Marvel Studios Echo series, which is slated to come in 2023. We last saw Daredevil or Matt Murdock in Spider-Man No Way Home defending Peter Parker in the case of the death of or murder of Mysterio alleged murder i should say we also saw wilson fisk aka kingpin in hawkeye as one uh, as the one helping kate bishop's mother and they the cool part about this is that they both were revealed around the exact same time during the same week as spider-man no way home so that was indeed a message saying oh they're coming they are here and they will be established echo was last seen on Hawkeye with Kingpin and possibly shooting him after she found out that he killed her father. This that scene was based on a scene from the comics, a very pivotal scene in the comics involving her and Kingpin. And uh, very interesting. I knew he wasn't going to be dead. You don't kill Wilson Fix, let alone you don't kill the performance of Vincent D'Onofrio. And Man, I would I would be pissed if that was the end of him in that for in that fashion. He need hit Kingpin is actually regarded regarded as possibly the second best Marvel Marvel Studios villain to date. Like Thanos Thanos is number one. Wilson Fisk is number two. And that is voted by the people in our ACMG Facebook group, especially who voted him as like the number two like you you couldn't see anybody low-key at best but even low-key is kind of like a protagonist now so you kind of can't do that like because wilson fisk will always be wilson fisk in this case and his performance and what he if you if you're so feared that you will kill yourself (laughs) to save others because of the fear what he would do that's that's saying a lot so again, this is coming out in 2023. Very much looking forward to seeing um, Charlie Cox back in you new know, Daredevil uniform. Not only that, see him in possibly a brand new uh, Daredevil, you know, outfit and all this stuff. We already saw what they did with Kingpin, you know, giving him the outfit based on the Spider-Man series from a while back, and uh, it was it was cool. So I'm looking forward to seeing which version of which suit they're going to have for uh daredevil this time around so they're they're back people no doubt um teenage mutant ninja turtle fans we're going back to netflix because also announced by netflix is a new teenage mutant ninja turtles movie which is coming august 5th 
The movie is based on the latest Nickelodeon series, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is based on a new futuristic universe where the turtles exist. I know when people saw this, people who don't aren't familiar with Rise of the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles look at this and like, what in the hell did they do to my turtles? If anyone is worried that this is a reboot, you you can be very happy to know this is not a reboot. And in fact, the last animated movie the turtles had was established it was establishing the Turtleverse, which is basically celebrating every version of the turtles that ever existed and also telling fans of the original turtle series that their original turtle series from 87 is safe that is just the prime universe and then with it you'll get all these other universe turtles including the original comic book series which if you haven't watched that ninja turtles movie you need to go watch that is possibly the best and great love letter to the teenage mutant ninja turtles they made this movie i think a few years ago it wasn't like it was more than like maybe two like three four years ago um probably longer than that i don't know i, I still have that movie but it was made to pay tribute and pay homage to the ninja turtles in full by having the turtles you know go through all these different versions of these turtles they they met you know the original turtles met the um the turtles of that era met all the original teenage mutant turtles from 87 they also met the um the original comic book versions they met the movie versions the it was just so many it was just awesome and it just really established and made sure that everybody who would see something like this today not to worry because you can enjoy this one separately or you can not enjoy this one but it's not a reboot at all what is so interesting about this universe is that rise of the uh teenage mutant Ninja turtles is again it's a futuristic you know setting um there are a lot of changes including the biggest change of them all is april o'neill who is black she's she is a black female in this one um i don't know if she's also reported this because i really didn't watch rise of the teenage mutant Ninja turtles um at all but I, casey jones will be making his appearance on this movie as well and i believe he may be time traveling or something of that nature but honestly i watched i i've saw the I saw clips of the uh, series, but the movie is taken a little bit further by, you know, improving on the animation and improving on a lot of the things that are, you know, that you don't get to see. So I actually may give this a try. I may give this a chance coming August 5th. So look out for it. If you are a fan of the Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, definitely check it out if you're not, but, or if you never heard of it or watched it. Just watch it, but go in again with an open mind, much like the Resident Evil series, go in with an open mind, understanding that this is not a reboot. This is just another dimension universe of the turtles reimagined in a different way. Two things that will piss people off is probably the April O'Neil thing, which didn't bother me entirely. Up into, you know, with, with the idea that like, this is a different universe. Um, so I can see where people are going. I, as long as people don't go crazy with it, like they did with, um, moses ingram i'm cool with it um but probably the to me bigger than that would be Raphael, who's like huge he's like a he's like the hawk in here and he has like a a saber tooth 
<laughs> just hanging out. I like an overbite hanging out of his mouth and everything. It's just, it's crazy what they did with that one. So it's, you know, check it out when you get a chance. Just go in with an open mind at best. See how that goes. So, all right. Last bit of news. Well, there's two bits, but I want to um, run down the fifth episode of Miss Marvel. Very, very interesting. Very awesome episode. But it was short. And that was kind of interesting to me. I, with that, hoping that next, the final episode, which is next week, will be hopefully more than an hour because I feel like we didn't, it, it just feels like it's just not established enough. Or I don't know, it's just weird. It's just really weird where they're going with this. It just feels like we we haven't seen enough of what we needed to see from this yet but because they are establishing so much of the the culture of kamala and everything and we're getting to know that but there's so much to learn as now other things are developing from this episode so it's, it's just going to be interesting um let's just start off with the fact that kamala went back to the year 1942 um which is where we last left her in the last episode where she discovers what happened to Aisha, who's her great grandmother, pretty much in here. The episode was it was really great in this standpoint as it focused on an untold history uh, or, or, infer, or unforementioned history, you know, of Pakistan and India um, and the division between the Hindu and Muslim cultures here. Um, something that I'd never got a chance. I never knew about because that doesn't get talked about these are one of the things that we should be learning here in the united states of america you know it, why aren't we learning his types of history like this you know why are we learning other you know world history why you know i never knew about this you know my and my wife and i my wife who is from india you know we were literally enjoying these type of points of history here and she was she you know i finally get to learn a little bit more about her heritage and background and what was going on. I never knew anything like this. And I, you know, some of my close, you know, close um, friends that, you know, in college and everything um, are Pakistanian and uh, just never knew this existed. I never knew there was a connection between Pakistan and, and India. So this was a very enlightening episode for me to, you know, check out. I really appreciated this. So we learned why Aisha deserted uh, Najma and during the time away from Najma and uh, the clandestine, she met a man named Hassan, who she later fell in love with and had a child with, you know, which we now know is Kamala's grandmother. Najma finally finds her and tells her she has until sundown to bring the Bengal to them uh, and so they can return to, you know, to their home. Aisha was afraid to give them this bangle because of what it might do. It was never really established as to whether she understood the power or danger of the bangle. And that's why she was hiding it. She just, instead of just like, here, here's the bangle, you know, instead she, you know, gave her, she hid it from her. So it was never really established on that note. So hopefully they'll fill that gap up, you know, sooner or later. Aisha plans to take her family and leave India for Pakistan. Uh, to get away from Namja and the clandestine. Um, Najma ends up finding her as they are about to enter the train. 
and she tells Hassan and, and to take her child and she'll meet him back, knowing that this is the end of her situation. And it was the only way that she was going to be able to get them safely on that train. Uh, we then find out that uh, Najma kills her on sight because she knows she's you know betraying her at this point. Kamala, coming from it, coming uh, into the past, manages to find Aisha during her last and final breath, and Aisha gives Kamala a picture of her family, which includes Kamala's grandmother. Kamala returns to the present where she, where the flash of light is still open. This is the flashlight that Namja and the clan Dustin have been waiting for and feels that that's their way of going home. We then discover that that is not the case at all. And trying to enter the flash of light comes with a deadly result. They do not go it and they actually, you know, diminish. The interesting part about this is the, the you know, the CGI effects of them turning into crystals and then the crystals deforming and all you see is skull and bones. This looks like, to me, it looked like the opposite of the Terrigen Mist. This is exactly what happens, you know, in the comics where, and if you saw this, you actually saw this in Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. because they actually did the Inhumans um, storyline in there where Sky, you know, ends up getting, um, you know, the Terrigen Mist and all that happens. That's exactly what happens with that. And she became inhuman from there. This looks like the actual opposite of the Terrigen Mist effect and the Inhumans. So like people are dying in this point you know, if they get, you know, anywhere near it. And um, basically, Kamala tries to convince Na uh, Najma not to enter the uh, enter the light and think of her son. She would not and decided to transfer her powers over to her son, Cameron. After the light disappeared, Kamala's mother and grandmother found her after Kamala's cousin helped her track her with the phone, which was a little funny moment there. Kamala, uh, Kamala's mom now knows her secret. Kamala gave her grandmother the picture of Aisha uh, that Aisha gave her. And um, from that point, you know, they actually bonded because Kamala was so afraid for episodes on end, thinking that she would not be, you know, her mom would, you know, be disappointed and, and uh, you know, that she was light bright, as they would call her at the time. Meanwhile, Cameron went to see Bruno as he uh, is on a run from damage control. Now, before her mom, his mom died, he uh, she transferred the powers over to Cameron. Now he has the, I guess, what is the Jin power? Is that what they call it, or the clandestine power as, um, that Kamala now has? He asked. He asked if um, he could stay on to, uh, you know, he he ended up meeting with Bruno who. You know those two have a not so good relationship with and ask if he could stay with bruno you know waiting for his mom to call he's very unaware that his mom is no longer there she died and they decide to try to work together to find out you know to you know help him out regardless of the fact of what bruno uh, feels on because he knows that you know cameron is kind of feeling kamala and bruno also was feeling kamala as well he then sees a drone from damage control and the window from the window and fire and fires off a blast that he didn't even realize he had he just did it out of instinct and bruno figures out that he has powers too but as he's saying this a missile hits the corner store below him and all that explodes and that's how the episode ends like i said very 
was kind of um it wasn't it was it was very cliffhangery um they left us on a big cliffhanger but it was a short episode and it was like okay how are they gonna close you know close the book on all these how are you gonna close the gaps on everything in here they got this is the final episode like this has only been a six episode series they have this has to be more than an hour they have to clear this whole thing up with damage control they got to clear this thing up with cameron they got to clear this thing up with bruno uh her best friend as well and somewhere along the way captain marvel brie olsen has to make an appearance here because she is supposed to be heading to the movie the marvels along with america chavez and captain marvel and in um a host of other people from other different parts of the uh disney plus series are all heading to this movie so which i believe they didn't say this they call it the marvels but it really sounds like a force to me uh because a force in the comics was an all-female you know team made up of captain marvel and a few other people american chavez was another one so i don't think people know but this is the marvels is actually a force it just absolutely is. And I didn't have um, Kamala Khan in there, but why not? <laughs> so I'm looking forward to this. This is awesome. The episode was great, but I just felt it was a little bit too short. And I'm hoping that they actually answer all the questions. And I hope that the next episode, the final episode will be much longer than this. But really awesome episode from a historical, insightful, educational standpoint as well. Last bit of news I want to mention on Disney Plus right now is Marvel Studios Assembled, which is the series of behind the scenes um, shows and document that documents all of the behind the scenes of your favorite TV shows on Disney, your Marvel series on Disney Plus, I should mention, and movies. They The uh, first movie they did, this is like the third, I think third or fourth movie that they actually did because the original uh, Assemble was covering all of the Marvel shows like WandaVision and uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and, and um, Moon, Moon Knight, Loki and all the stuff. Well, they recently did uh, Shang-Chi and the Ten uh, Rings and the Legend of the Ten Rings. That was the first movie they covered. They covered uh, another movie. I, I forgot what movie that was. But the newest one is, in fact, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And what was oh, I think this is my favorite one because what made this so awesome is because this was hosted by Bruce Campbell because this is a San Raimi movie you know his best friend Bruce is going to be there and Bruce always bring the entertainment within this and he was absolutely awesome in this I highly recommend Evil Dead fans San Raimi fans go watch this because they go over uh, they really do a great job going over a lot in an hour as to some of the great aspects of that movie how they were able to put together the multiverse uh, Wanda's you know he'll turn if you will into a, the, the main villain and what um elizabeth olsen thought about that in, in, in everything um these you know the wiring effects the special effects everything that went on to it but also of course what i was really looking forward to was the illuminati scene and how they put that together and you know how did they get sir charles you know charles and what they went through during COVID. because guys remember this movie was supposed to have come out damn near two years ago it only took them a year to create dr strange so it shouldn't have took them this long to create this movie but the pandemic played a major factor in the time and production it was to come up with this movie so 
better late than never, but it came with a great follow up to the original movie and, and stuff like that. So um, I'm looking forward to it and it's awesome. And I can't wait to the next installment of Doctor Strange, which I believe Sam Raimi is going to be doing as well. So I can't wait. Sam, I will tell you this. I love this because people really got on Sam Raimi for Spider-Man 3 and I felt like he never got his just due to or a chance to really redeem himself and he was supposed to come out with spider-man 4 with toby mcguire and it never happened and they just decided to cut it because of the backlash that he got for that he never got a chance to redeem himself i thought if he did spider-man 4 he would have definitely have redeemed himself and there were some there were some good qualities and good things that did come out of the third installment of spider-man but it was more bad than good let's be real this movie to me was his redemption. The, uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness really told us why he was what he was and why he is kind of the, like one of the godfathers of the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now. Like without his movie, without Brian Singer, you know, say what you will about Brian Singer, but uh, X Men was a help of that. Um, but we all really got to go back to Blade. Blade was the absolute movie that spawned all of this. And I cannot wait when Blade comes out because that talk has got to come up. That when when Mahershala Ali does his documentary and all the stuff, they cannot do this Blade movie without talking about the original Blade series and what Wesley Snipes has done. And I hope in some form or fashion they pay homage to Wesley Snipes and his contributions because there would not be any of this without that success of that movie. You, there, that is no argument whatsoever. So go ahead and uh, check it out on Disney Plus right now, uh, it, it, as well as all of the uh, assembled series of documentaries covering some of the uh, Marvel Studios projects. It's just an awesome series and a great way to look back at some of what made these movies so great. So, folks, that is new. That is what's new in the world of ACMG. We're going to take a break, come back, and I will give my review of Thor Love and Thunder and see the latest installment of this movie in the final installment of the phase four series of the MCU. We're going to do that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on TalkTimeLive.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! Hey, this is Jeff Thorne. I am the writer, producer, showrunner of the Avengers Black Panther's Quest TV series, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Do it. And now it's time for our talk topic of the week. Ready? Wait! Wait! 
Folks, we are here with our talk topic of the week, and it is my review of Thor Love and Thunder. This is, in fact, I believe the fourth installment of the Thor series, which makes him the lead in standalone movies. I believe there was only three Iron Man movies. There was only three Captain America movies. There was only three Avengers movies. There were only three Spider-Man movies. Um, I can't think of anybody else that had a movie out one Hawk movie. So in the MCU, at least. Uh, so this is very interesting. He's I, he's now had more than any of the Avengers to have his own series. And he's coming out with another one apparently soon as well. If you watch the end credits, which we'll talk about in this early. But I got to say, Taika Waititi did it again. This guy, I've never heard of him until Thor Ragnarok. And then from this point, I've seen him in a whole bunch of other things. And, you know, his comedic talents and, and you know, and portrayals as an actor and a director it's just really fantastic like i loved him on you know the fall uh free guy i loved him on ragnarok and his roles on there i love you know every time i see or hear him he's he, his comedic style is just a breath it's it's refreshing it's action-packed and it's it's hilarious um this i will say this movie you know, it brought what you expect from Ragnarok and what you saw with that he brought from Ragnarok. But he also had a challenge of really touching on some really this is probably the darkest I've ever seen of him, of his, of his projects, uh, because he had to be comedic. But he also had to be a little bit more dramatic and endearing this time because of the subject nature of this and the character development of this. So when I found out that Jane Foster's Thor was going to be in this. It, you know, I'm sure I could speak for a lot of fans of the comics who knows about Jane Foster when she turned into Thor. Are they going to cover this situation? The the what the, the big elephant in the room of Jane Foster here? Because her story in Marvel has turned into a very sad and dark storyline in this realm. So let's talk about the story real quick and then we'll get deeper into that. So the plot and story of this is that a major threat known as Gore, the God Butcher, a character I never thought I would see in, in, in the big screen, uh, by the way, and I'll explain a little bit of that uh, in a few. But Gore, the God Butcher, is on a hunt to kill all of the gods in the universe, including Thor. He hunts Thor as he has the key to reach an eternity, another major character i never thought i would see in the marvel cinematic universe in the big screen who will grant anyone a wish who can seek him thor who finished who just got finished uh from hanging out with the guardians of the galaxy and this is you know taking you know this is taking place after the events of endgame we last saw thor with the guardians is traveling with the guardians so now we're getting to see a little bit of what has been going on when thor is hanging with the guardians of the galaxy and it seems like the entire guardians are just they're done with thor thor has just been overbearing to say the least and you know while they're fighting all hard he's just chilling and waiting and meditating and you know taking this as a vacation up until the point that they say that they need thor and he just goes in and just beats everybody with ease and destroys everything it's like there's a lot of collateral damage <laughs> among this you know this version of thor is hilarious like i'm glad that they decided to change 
his character because they kind of went for the dramatic approach with the first two movies which is very similar to what you would see in the in the comics if this store right now that uh that was that has been produced and, and developed in the mcu if this store was in the comics i would have read thor ages ago but to me and a lot of people there's thor was an acquired taste like he was awesome if he was with the avengers he was awesome if he was with somebody else but as a standalone book a lot of there was i'm not going to say a light but the, i'm not going to say a lot but there were some comic book fans who just couldn't get down with thor because it was too theatrical it was too shakespearean if if you will even if you look at the the thought the, the you know the comic book uh clouds the bubbles and everything even the font is very theatrical and, th uh, and thespian like so and shakespearean like so it, it you know a lot of the dialogue and everything was a little bit boring but if this crims this chris helmsworth version was in the comics i would have read thor so long ago because <laughs> this store is very entertaining chris helmsworth adds on so much to this man and it is just awesome so the the guardians are like through with him so they kind of just kind of give him you know the shove to just you know do your own thing we're gonna go in and do our thing which means that they're gonna head over to do their new guardians of the galaxy adventure that may include you know gamora as well now if you guys realize if you watch this that all of the guardians was there and except for gamora in this one and i think that's a tie into what happened in Endgame, and it's going to tie into what's going to happen in their movie in 2023 so thor is you know getting through with that now thor finding out that uh gore has been hunting everybody he decides to team up with king valkyrie at uh new asgard and james foster who he finds out it has the power of thor now thanks to the, her connection with Mjolnir. we later found out how jane foster was able to acquire the power of uh thor from there in the in a movie and uh very interesting jane seeks the power of the hammer as a way to cure her stage four cancer again i didn't know if they were going to touch on this they could have went any other way with this but you know kudos to marvel for sticking once again sticking to the guns much like they did with sam wilson and him becoming you know captain america why not do this it was hard for me because i knew about this storyline and i when i found out that jane foster they are doing a story a backstory with jane foster and her having for stage four cancer and using the power of thor to stay alive which there lies the liberties that was taken with this movie I didn't know how they were going to go with this, what direction they were going to go, but they went with it. And this was just a, this was the part of the movie that kind of put everybody on hold because I don't think anybody who doesn't, I think the casual fans of Marvel who's only watching the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I don't think they knew the fate of Jane Foster and what was going to happen with her so i think people are they, pe there were people who were very surprised and shocked disappointed and wondering what the hell is going on why did you do this I, you know for those who don't know that are listening right now 
this is this is something that is legit source this is canon to the comics she does have cancer in a very severe stage of cancer um yes she is using the power of thor to actually keep her alive here's the difference in the movie they made mirnir basically it, it it enhances her disease it actually drains her body even more and the comics it's supposed to keep her alive and i i could be wrong because i know about the backstory but i'm i could have sworn that, that that was never the situation because she lasted for a long time i don't know if she's even still around at this point but i i could have sworn that in the comics to like she stayed you know the the if as long as she had the hammer and as long as she remained as thor the, the mighty thor then she would be able to stay alive and be healthy and not have cancer so it was really interesting that they turned it around in this case and say that like every time she uses it it actually drains her, her health and you know body more so there lies the difference in that situation and i'm i'm looking forward to seeing the assembled episode when this comes out because i want to see what they talk about i want to see them talk about the explanation of jane and why they decided to change the way that the powers affect her in here as well so some interesting notes here from the movie before i even talk about the cast is that the movie the running theme of the movie seems to have been a tribute to guns and roses which i'm not mad at because i'm i was a guns and roses fan like everybody else you know like guns and roses during the 90s was one of those type of bands that was like it was loved by many more people like guns and roses um red hot chili peppers you know corn of limp biscuit 90s was a period where like everybody there was more than just you know your acquired target audience you know digging that especially i think pro wrestling played a big factor as to why you know there were more fans of these uh of, of these songs like you know these uh metal bands and all the stuff like metallica and all that because all of those songs were a lot of times used and companies like ECW or WWE would, you know, play them for pay-per-views and get the license to play it. ECW would do it illegally, but we would hear corn. We would hear Limp Bizkit. We would hear, um, you know, Guns N' Roses every so often, every once in a while, especially Welcome to the Jungle or, you know, um, what was it? Uh, no November Rain, which are two of the songs that you absolutely heard in this movie, especially and also there was another significance here is that um hymnals hymnals uh, child which i don't think anybody knew that it existed uh who also has the same powers of his of his father and it's been passed on um he actually changed his name to axel because of his fond love for guns and roses since he'd been on earth that was a funny little moment right there so um, there was a lot of that. And then, you know, near the end, they actually played the other half of November rain. It was funny. Cause I was just telling my wife who doesn't really know about November rain. Um, well, she, I, I think she probably knows about it, but wasn't really a fan of guns and roses back in the day. So she doesn't know she isn't familiar with the song as much as I would, or any other fan of guns and roses will be, but guns and roses November rain was like a two-parter. It started off like really like slow and, you know, like a ballad. And then like, there's the other half, which can somebody explain to me, anybody listening to explain to me 
about the video. Like we used to love the video when it came out and that, that video won awards. But the one thing that was always crazy and weird about it is that like, all right, it was a ballot where, you know, Axel, you know, found his wife or whatever like that. And then they get married, but then it rains. And then all of a sudden all this chaos is happening in the, at the wedding, which then leads to the other part of the movie, which gets the, you know, we get the, with the, the clash riff and the, the part that everybody really loves with him just rocking that guitar, like the bass guitar or whatever like that. And all of a sudden she's dead and they're at a funeral. Can somebody explain it to me? I'm like, what the hell happened in between the time of the wedding and all this stuff? But nonetheless, we all love the song. We all love the video is, you know, weird and, you know, holes in it, plot holes that that was, we still loved it, but they played the, the part two section of the um, song on air during the kids, you know, retaliation part in there. It was awesome. I really I enjoyed that. So um, I mentioned that the Guardians of the Galaxy were all in this movie, except Gamora, even Sean Gunn who plays Kraglin made an appearance in a movie. And it was funny, a funny moment there because we find out that he, everywhere that the Guardian, every planet that the Guardians have, you know, visited and entered, he, he smashes and marries an alien in every single period. So like this dude is, he's, he's a rolling, he's a, a rolling stone, man, <laughs> in the galaxy. So he's doing it every planet. There's a little funny moment where Groot actually laughs, but he says, I am Groot, but he laughs doing it. So that was, it was a lot of funny moments. What I loved about the Guardians of the Galaxy scene at the beginning is that it wasn't just them showing the Guardians of the Galaxy for like less than like a few minutes, like three minutes or whatever like that. I think they got a full big scene. They were in there for like at least maybe 15 minutes of the movie, which I thought was awesome because you got to see them fight. You got to see them, you know, all get together and do the, the things that we know and love Guardians of the Galaxy to do. So we got a little bit of Guardians of the Galaxy that can hold us off just before we the movie comes out. And I don't know when the Christmas episode is coming out because they are doing a Christmas episode of it too. Um, I don't know if it's coming out this year or next year, but I forgot. But of course, with San Diego um, Comic-Con coming, I'm sure that all will be announced down here. I I'm pretty sure. But I really, really enjoyed seeing all the crew there and um, just, you know, just enjoying that aspect. So we got a little bit of Guardians of the Galaxy and then we also got Thor. We got a lot out of this movie. You know, we got Guardians of the Galaxy. We got, you know, Jane Foster as Thor. We got Valkyrie in here. We got a few other people that made appearances in this place. And it's just awesome. It's absolutely awesome. So let us go into the casting what i thought about the main characters at best um like i said it chris helmsworth first of all let's talk about chris helmsworth period has anybody noticed how big chris helmsworth has gotten in this movie like he i've literally this week i've watched all everything that thor was in leading up to this to get a whole retrace of everything that's happened thor's body is huge Thor is Thor is bigger than ever. Like I've seen, you know, clips on social media of him training and everything. I did not realize that he bulked up. He's twice the dude that he was in the in, in the original series. Like if you he was really he was in mad shape, but he was lean in Thor one and two. And on and even in Avengers, he was lean. 
and then you know all the changes happened and everything with um with end game and all that stuff but even still like you can see his transformation in you know infinity war but in this movie oh my god he is ginormous like this is triple h wwe triple h level huge probably bigger than that like he was just but with that said he looked the right size that he should be like that is that is he looks more like thor than he ever has before in, in, in the previous films in there so i really liked it and then i don't think we give chris helmsworth enough credit as to how awesome an actor he is he i mean we see him and it's just like he's just he just comes off of just he looks like a big meathead type of dude but he is uber intelligent he is very articulate and he is extremely charismatic and i don't like i said for him to be able to not only take this character and just very dramatic character overbearing dramatic character and give him some personality that he desperately needed and you know it was just really awesome to see him do and we got to see you know thor you know grow in the years you know in, in the past like 11 12 years now so i really appreciate it he's just a great enjoyment to watch whatever he's on so um just seeing natalie portman finally come back is just awesome but you know it was just i just didn't know what they were going to do and kudos to her for being able to take on this role knowing the inevitable <laughs> that you know that was going to happen with her character and she rolled with it and she ran with it and it was awesome i thought she did a great job as you know as the mighty thor it was totally believable that she was taking on this role and stuff like that and they the writing in here was also great for uh for them as well um just i i really really enjoyed her more than i ever did before in here i, I was just very sad at the results of her character by the end of this whole thing so but for every great protagonist you got to have an even greater antagonist and boy did christian bell did batman come through once again who else to you know who else to actually you know depend on them batman himself christian bell who played gore gore the god butcher is a character i like i said i'd never thought in my wildest that we would see in the marvel cinematic universe now granted we never thought we would see any of this i i watched avengers the other day and i was thinking back like I, just back then when avengers came out we thought this was literally we thought avengers the movie was the end game we thought that they were just gonna make all these movies just leading up to the avengers and that was gonna be it for the marvel cinematic universe until we saw thanos and it was like oh no this is just the beginning and then we found after you know 10 years 11 years 11 years in we finally got to see the climax to that one of the greatest payoffs in in hollywood history i will argue that i will defend that you cannot you can say what you want you can be a scorsese and say what you want but yeah scorsese is legend of his time but to me a legend can be able to do what they did like you could call you could try to dump downsize the marvel cinematic universe or call it whatever you want they lasted 11 consistent years with a storyline from multiple different 
movies and multiple different characters still managed to keep the momentum for 11 years. I'm sorry, but the Godfather did not do that because Godfather part three sucked. Okay. So you, you got to give credit. You got to give credit to what Marvel studios has done on that nature. And when you're seeing somebody like Gore, the God butcher, and they going into this realm of the Marvel comic universe and the cosmic realm, and you're seeing eternity, eternity is like years ago, decades ago. I'm talking the eighties. Like we would never in our wildest dreams think that we would see an entity like eternity or the eternals and all of the, the cosmic realm. Like we're seeing, like, we used to complain a lot, like when Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer came out, people were so pissed about the Galactus. And you know what? I can't, there's no argument about that. I don't, I will always argue that it is not as bad as people are making it. Because if you take out that part, the rest of the movie was just awesome. It's just that one thing. And I'm not going to damn the entire movie for one little situation. But I, with that said, I do understand you wanted to see Galactus. If this was, if Rise of the Silver Surfer was done now, oh my God, we would see Galactus and more. Okay. Um, they just didn't have the technology to do it in the imagination, possibly, but more or less the technology at best. It was at a time. So they had to try to do it the best they can, but they learned from that. Obviously we now see Dormammu. We now see, you know, uh, eternity, um, you know, now we see all these cosmic beings now in here. We see ego on Guardians of the Galaxy. OK, like the, they're they're They've learned their lesson, know what the fans want, and they've given it to us and they gave it to us here. Um, I learned about Gore, the God Butcher way back, I think 2017, when I, um, you know, put together this contest for our ACMG Facebook group called the Omega Fist Tournament, which was a fantasy tournament that you, you know, you pick teams of three, three characters from various different comic book universes. You put them together, see who has the better team. The ACMG members vote based on a debate of the two contestants, telling them why and explaining to them why that their character is more powerful than their character. And by the end of the night, the person who uh, gets the most votes wins. You know what's so sad about this? I stopped doing that contest for a lot of reasons, you know, which now I know for a fact, like I'm looking at social media in the, in the landscape of social media and the toxicity of social media. I, I've foreseen this and I saw this a little bit coming with the tournament and how people were conducting themselves. And that's why at this time, I still will not have this tournament in this contest because of that. And now we're seeing it even more in full force, you know? So like people ask me why I haven't done this contest, the Mega Fist Tournament contest um, in a while, because I saw the darkness coming and I saw what was going on. And it's just from a ethical standpoint, it just, I just didn't want to, you know, it was, it's a lot of work to do, but it was not, I felt like it wasn't appreciated enough it was also, you know, people trying to get over on this situation. So, but I digress with that said, how this relates to Gore is that one of our former members in the group picked Gore, uh, the God Butcher. And the cool part about the tournament was that I got to learn about comic book characters I'd never heard of before. 
um, for, and in different comic books I never heard before. And what was awesome about the contest is that people were very interested in characters they did never seen before and why this character is winning and why do people vote for this character. Gore the Butcher, and the, the, the uh, former member of the group, picked uh, Gore the Butcher along with a few other uh, characters in the company uh, and in the... Uh, a few other characters in the uh league well, let me see i can definitely tell you which character he did so yeah it was um oh yeah it was wiccan it was uh gore the butcher and uh a character from dc the eradicator i believe from dc or whatnot and that character was voted all the way to the finals and for a reason and when i figured this out i it made me want to learn more about that character and I did. And to see this character come to life and Christian Bell be ever great of the uh, of a of a actor that he is to really bring out the treachery, the darkness of Gore and to make people understand why Gore is a major threat with the Necro sword. Just the casting in Marvel was ungodly awesome. <laughs> OK, he played that role to a T. And I also like the fact that we got to see the backstory of what led to Gore becoming Gore, the God Butcher, and why he was so adamant about, you know, getting rid of all the gods in the world because he became an atheist. He's like the the ultimate atheist in the universe. <laughs> you know, his God failed him because he didn't, you know, he wasn't, he worshiped a God that wasn't worthy. And he felt like every God is going to be like that. So he decides to get rid of them all. And he caused his daughter, you know, the God that he was worshiping caused his daughter to die. And he was able to get the Necro sword and was able to, you know, get rid of him and decided that, you know, the cursed sword is going to take them all. Now, the cursed sword, much like Marinara to Jane Foster's, um, you know, to Jane Foster was draining their lives. So they had a little bit of comment on that note there, but Jane Foster wanted to use her last bit of energy and life that she had to save others. Whereas Gore wanted to use it to just destroy. So there was that right there. Uh, Taika Waititi go as back as Korg, who was even more awesome than he was before. And it's really great, funny moments. Definitely the comic relief of the bunch there. Um, it's not much I can really say. It's just his delivery his you know his his dialogue everything was just so funny and hilarious and it brought everything to light it brought a lighter you know thing to even some of the dark moments of the movie russell crowe as zeus we knew that this was going to happen and we finally got to see what i loved about russell crowe's um portrayal as zeus is that i don't know if a lot of people understand the actual zeus character because when you talk about Zeus, you a lot of people, if they didn't study Greek mythology or art history, then they don't or even play God of War. Um, you know, you don't know too much about the actual history of Zeus. And a lot of people knows about know about Zeus from the Disney aspect, the Disney depiction of him on um, Hercules, which is absolutely inaccurate. The it is extremely inaccurate, like. Zeus is not a nice guy. Zeus is a prick. Zeus in, in actual Greek mythology, Zeus is not a guy you you love. He is a very hated God. Um, and I learned about this 
in our history class uh, so long ago. And it was funny because it was right at the time when God of War was out. And that's what, you know, when God of War, I think the original God of War was out. I basically um, was taking art history and I was fascinated by the concept that Zeus was not the depiction that we saw from Disney. And in fact, he was the total opposite of that. And then God of War comes out and they go and they are like pinpoint accurate to the depiction and portrayal of of uh, Zeus. And I thought this was very intriguing. I love God of War because of it. And uh, this they kind of did the same thing, but still took it, gave it a comical approach. So it was it. it Russell Crowe brought in the Disney esque type of one, but still was like a jerk version of the Disney version. But what I also love too is that he kind of had a Greek accent, and I can hear this Greek accent coming out of him too. So I thought that was even funny as well. And I thought he did really well. And I like the fact that he just played kind of a weasel and a wuss because they were all afraid of gore. And all he was trying to do was like trying to set up like orgies for everybody, which by the way, Tessa Thompson's uh, King Valkyrie was all about. We learned about Tessa Thompson uh, character a lot in this one. Valkyrie is all about everybody. Like I guess her character is bisexual in this case because she was just like she was she she was talking about love affairs and she was flirting with women and at the same time through this whole thing. Uh, Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie period is just Tessa like dude I, I I can't express how much I enjoy her as an actor um she brings something she has this you know Lisa Bonet type of appeal but she really has her own type of you know groove too and she commands the crowd she commands the audience she really shows you know like she is very assertive she is very forthcoming and it's like you want to you know you want to ride or die with her you know she feels like she would you know, like tell you straight and she would just ride or die with you she brings it out with the with the valkyrie character as she should and she did she was also like literally jane foster's ride or die because she knew about the ailment that jane was uh doing and she was looking after her and you know keeping an eye on her and everything and you know before they even told thor she was you know jane had a hard time trying to tell um thor what was going on but um she was she she was okay with telling valkyrie that so it was awesome which by the way also we got to see what happened with new asgard through this whole entire thing which i love because uh she said that there was going to be a lot of changes in endgame she said that the day the very moment that uh thor gave her the right of kingship and she did change. She she turned New Asgard into a tourist attraction. They rebuilt Asgard to look like Asgard, and they got to celebrate a lot of the things with Asgard, including the plays and performances. <laughs> Once again, held by Matt Damon, who played the actor Loki, which I mentioned at the in last segment, which I didn't put two and two together here, which I think is even more funnier now. Um, you know, Matt Damon's playing Loki, the act, you know, the actor version of uh, Loki and Luke Helmsworth, Thor, um, Chris Helmsworth's brother playing his brother's portrayal of Thor as an actor. The biggest surprise here, the absolute biggest surprise here was because they were re they were reenacting all of the events from Ragnarok. So who the hell's going to play Hela? Of all people to bust out to play Hela is none other than Melissa McCarthy. And I died. 
<laughs> I, I love Melissa McCarthy. She is absolutely hilarious. I thought this was perfect. So you see this newer version of Ella here, um, who's kind of more like Ursula, I guess, in a sense. But I, she was, she's awesome. She, Melissa McCarthy is just absolutely awesome. She really dug into it. I knew they had a great time. So yes, Melissa McCarthy is now an Asgardian and a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I adored this. So, and um, we also got to answer a question answered as well. Cause the one thing that was missing from Thor Ragnarok is Lady Sif. Lady Sif, who we haven't seen probably since Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. People forget, it's like, yeah, all right, from a movie standpoint, you saw her in, in Thor The Dark World, but she appeared twice on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. after the fact. So that was technically the last time we saw Lady Sif. She wasn't in the ship with um th with the with the uh, with Asgardians and, and Ragnarok um they still didn't really answer what happened with her and why is she the only one uh of Thor's crew to still be alive but she was there and I'm glad I'm just like you can't you gotta bring her back somewhere and they did bring her back I was glad she unfortunately lost the darn <laughs> during the process and it was funny because she was she's been dying to die and the, the the running gag here and if you why if you look back at the original thor when uh they were fighting they were uh fighting the final fight in a big battle she was on her way to die and she seems to the running gag is that she always wants to die in in um heart of the battle and so she could go to valhalla and you know people will tell her song you know sing songs of her tales and her adventures and whatever and she always somehow stays alive this same thing happened right now so this was this was kind of a play on uh her in the first movie but only she doesn't have an arm this time and thor's telling like you're not dead and you're gonna be okay and you can only go to valhalla if you die in the heat of the battle <laughs> she gets really pissed off but she's still alive so i don't know if they're gonna she's probably gonna come back for the next movie but i don't know if they're gonna give her another arm or whatever like that but i just thought that was funny and also, I want to know if she lost an arm in the comics, too. So I got to look that up as well. So it was just it was just absolutely funny uh, there. So um, and I mentioned the Guardians of the Galaxy. They were all awesome as well. It was great to see that all of them are back. You had Mantis there, um, you know, Palm, uh, Palm Clemmings uh, teeth. You had Vin Diesel playing as baby or teenage Groot, I guess. Um, like I said, Sean Gunn was there. Karen Gillan as Nebula uh dave batista as drax um and it, you know again the only person you know chris um chris pratt was peter quill and the only person was missing was gamora you know so i, I that was that was by design so we're i guarantee we're gonna you know find her back you know in, in the next movie next year so i'm looking forward to that but that is pretty much it there. Now, last thing I want to talk about is the end credit scenes because uh, they were both very endearing and interesting, and which is going to lead into the next Thor movie. Zeus apparently is still alive. And uh, Thor, what happened basically is Thor was pissed off that he wouldn't help him out and he was a coward of a god. So he shot his own bolt of lightning back at him and then took the bolt of lightning with him and Valkyrie ended up taking it. So. Zeus calls upon his son Hercules to take on Thor. Now, for those who are Marvel comic fans, you know where this should be going. 
Of course, they could take liberties again, but for those who don't know, Hercules is a character, much like Thor, mythology, Greek mythology and, and Norse god mythology are both in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Hercules is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and in fact, he is a member of the Avengers and the original Avengers. So I do see this happening uh, down the line where he will be uh, working with them, if you will. He will actually uh, be a part of it. So uh, let me find, let me go to the list and Hercules, uh, here we go. Um, Hercules is actor Brett Goldstein. Uh, you guys may have known him from uh, Ted Lasso and Superbob and uh, a whole bunch of other movies, mostly Ted Lasso, I'm pretty sure, because that's a very extremely popular TV show. And uh, he plays in a whole bunch of other things as well, but he's been picked to play Hercules, uh, which will lead into the next Thor movie coming. So there is going to be another Thor movie. So I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Uh, it's only going to go uphill from here. I, it, it's, it's really, it's going to be, what's going to be an interesting challenge for um, Watiti this time is that this Hercules character, it, the task is probably going to be to make him a very likable and popular character in this movie. Because if he's not, if he's going to be, if he's not going to be a one-time, you know, movie, then they got to find a way to market him because yeah, he was in, he's in the original Marvel comics, but he's not a fan favorite at all. Like Hercules is not the, he's by far the most popular character in the Marvel uh, comics universe. But then again, at one point, neither was the Guardians of the Galaxy and one point, neither was Iron Man. So basically, excuse me. So basically they got to find a way to uh, really get him in and really make him likable, marketable. And I would say Thor to some extent was not the most popular character either, but they somehow was able to make him a much better lovable, likable character an appealing character than he ever was in the comics. So I'm looking forward to this just from that aspect alone there. So second end credit scene was really cool. And I'm glad this was a really awesome scene right here. Um, Cause I like the pop, the pop, the pizza papa uh in credit but like to stay the entire you know credit scene just for that i thought that was that was my only pet peeve about you know dr strange and but it was funny at the same time it was like oh that, that they basically just played us right with that one but this one no this was a little bit of a bit of a of a, of a payoff here um jane made it to valhalla where she met up with hemdo which it was just played by Idris Elba. So we got to see Idris Elba one last time here. And um, he comes to welcome her. And they he thanks for, for saving Axel. And uh, I never did talk about Axel either. Axel, like, Axel was cool. Axel was a really cool character. And maybe possibly taken over as uh, Hemdel's. Now, now he's going to be the one. Because Thor actually gave Axel Stormbreaker. And there was an awesome scene where Axel, who's like a little kid, grabbed uh, Axel and I mean, he, he grabbed um, the axe with authority. So and he teleported the kids back. So I think he may actually take on that role now. So there was a, that that November rain scene was really awesome. And just to see that, 
you know, Hemdel actually has a son. And now we're going to see this new generation here. So I, it'll be awesome because now Thor has Mjolnir back. Oh, I should mention one of the funniest moments of this entire movie is the fact that I guess Stormbreaker in, is, is alive and has a jealous streak, apparently, which is... It, it, it was one of those type of things that should have been corny and funny, but it, it shouldn't have been funny, but it was, and it made it funny. But Stormbreaker apparently is jealous of Mjolnir because Thor missed him and have his hammer. And all through the throughout parts of the movie, uh, Stormbreaker would not react to Thor properly and would do things to, you know, at, you know, in a vengeful, <laughs> resenting way, you know, so... Thor would have conversations with Stormbreaker about, you know, Mjolnir because he wanted Mjolnir back and he wanted to see if he could take it back from Jane or whatever, or he was still worthy of it. So it was a really funny little moment. Again, one of those things that they somehow were able to make that hilarious, but it wasn't, but it was, um, and then it turns out like he does get it back. He does get, um, give the ax to, uh, Hemdall. So it might be the case that Hemno uh Axel may be the new bearer of Stormbreaker. And never mention this. Um Gore wished his daughter back. So basically, he uh now Thor's taking care of Gore's daughter, who also has powers, and he's teaching her to be a warrior now as well. So it's a really funny little ending right there. But the C Jane made it to Valhalla. It really it 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 lightened up the idea that she died. In the movie um that she died from cancer or whatever like that she used her last breath just to save the children and everything on there that gore was taking and stop him from getting the wish and convincing him to bring his daughter back or whatever like that so i like the way it ended i like the way they wrote this whole thing i like how they handled the jane foster uh situation i love the this the, you know the continuing development of thor and everything that's happening with him everything to me was done right and i thought they did really well here so it was awesome and if i'm going to give this a grade i really enjoyed this there was nothing i didn't like about it there was nothing that to me that stood out as this shouldn't have happened this didn't feel right so to me that is a a grade movie for me can't wait till it comes out on disney plus um which should be coming out very soon probably like next two months possibly so all right before we in this segment i want to get thoughts give it get a few thoughts on uh what the acmg members thought in this group uh we had a few people that made mentions only one person didn't like it and i think he i think the reason being is because i'm not sure how much he knows about what's going on in the marvel comic universe but this is one of those situations i was talking about that um casual fans may be a little bit off, put off on the idea of what happened with Jane and why this happened or whatever. So, um, let's start off with my man, Craig, who was the only one who didn't really feel it like he normally did with other ones. And I think maybe because the, 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 the feeling, you know, the very essence of the movie, cause it, it was a little bit darker than it was before. So could be, it was like, he said, he, um, he went, checked it out, love me some, uh, MCU, but didn't feel this one. He had some spurts, but overall just didn't like it the last 30 minutes was the best for him so that was his deal right there um matt 
shout out to Matt out there. He said, this is my favorite non Avengers MCU movie. Had had everything. Sounds like somebody who actually understands the actual comic book lore and felt that this practically, you know, fit the script. So Maine Jones, pretty sure that's a fictitious name. Um, Maine Jones. Hmm. When will Thor return? We will find out soon. Seems like the gods are declaring war on the universe. Not so that's not the first time. Um, that's their fault for not as all they cared about was uh orgies and sacrifices. That was true. Makes sense. So oh, by the way, he reminded me and mentioned this. I forgot. Shout out, you know, good call on him. Also, in that 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 Zeus scene where all the gods was there and having this convention of gods and everything. Bast was there. The god that the Wakandans worship is in there as as Zeus is talking about having, you know, setting up orgies and sacrifices. Okay. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> so um Mel, uh shout out to Mel out there. He said, I really didn't like Ragnarok, but for some but for whatever reason, I really like this one. I think they did a really good job on the Mighty Thor storyline and Christian Bell killed it as Gore. I totally agree with that. Absolutely. Every bit of what he said there. It's just really entertaining um, movie right there. Uh, what do we have here? Do we have anybody else? My man Naj said, I liked it. Now, I had to really explain to him on a few things here, but I'll just, you know, say it here. Um, he said that he thinks it was a nice send off for Jane Foster, even though it sucked that um, we only get one movie with her. And I agree. And again, I was just talking about the idea that in the comics, I think that she stays alive because of the hammer, whereas in this universe, and I got to stress that enough, in this universe, not to be, you know, related to the comic book universe, this is their own universe, so they take liberties with this universe because it's the multiverse. So this nice send off of Jane Foster sucks that they uh, only get one movie with her as the Mighty Thor, but I think they depicted her, this version of her very well. Uh, the thing that I had to, you know, let him know was that he thought that, you know, Darcy, he said, I really wonder what's next for Darcy now that her mentor is gone. For those who don't remember, because we did get to see Kat Dennings, uh, Kat Denning make her appearance back here, which was great because it did reflect on the, you know, it did establish the other two movies that they had because she wasn't on Ragnarok, but she was in the very first two movies. But for those who don't remember, she, we found out what happened with Darcy. Um, she is no longer a protege to Jane. She is her own scientist now. She is evolved. We saw this in WandaVision. Uh, she is a scientist in her own right now. So she is now kind of more peer to Jane Foster rather than protege and mentor in this case. But she was also the person in the movie. She was the only person in in terms of the humans that Jane felt close to and that can really trust with the news that she had cancer, especially the fact that Jane was now an established, you know, famous figure in a world who wrote a book called the foster theory, you know, that was talking about everything that she, you know, went through with Thor and everything now. So that was that situation. So it really kind of sucks. Cause she was like, she became really famous through her, you know, her um, memoirs and books and whatnot and her theories and everything. But now she's going through this stage of cancer, which is like hereditary in her family and everything, which was that was again, this was just, just the dark part of the movie. Um, the Guardians wanted him gone. You know, Star-Lord was fed up. 
<laughs> sped the hell up with Thor Overly. So, you know, that was that was pretty much the, uh, the deal with that right there. Uh, Daniel, Gore needed to be handed the keys and got double as much screen time. Christian Bell was incredible. He uh, should be he should have been with Ledger uh, was as the Joker if given more time. I mean, I could definitely believe that. I could definitely trust that. He did absolutely. He, I agree. He did incredible. And I thought that, um, yeah, maybe with a little more time he could, but you know, how much time do you want to give to this movie? You kind of, this is a comedy, so you don't want to drag it out too much. Um, and we got into a conversation about, you know, he, he was talking about the idea that, you know, these characters don't come back. They don't do second times. And I had to let him know. I'm like, no, they do. Um, they absolutely do come back. And we actually, uh, in fact, I can name a few characters who came back multiple times. Um, the leaper is still around somewhere. Kingpin is still alive. Um, Baron Zemo is still around. You know, I mean, we got, we got a bunch of people. Um, Wilson Fisk, is still around we just discovered uh is there um you know it, it's it's definitely we definitely do have characters that make returns in these movies low-key is he should have been dead a long time ago he is back again in some form or fashion so you like these guys do come back it's just not everybody that we want and technically thanos did come back for a second movie because he dominated the first you know, they pulled a Rocky moment. It's like Apollo won that first round or something like that, or nobody won that first round and didn't, you know, the Avengers came back to win that second round. That was literally Rocky one and Rocky two right there. So, so that was pretty much a lot of the comments that were made in the, um, talk top in a talk, uh, time post, which is our spoiler zone post for whenever these blockbuster movies and Marvel movies come out. We always put this out again. If you actually, want to actually socialize and you know find you know there are many facebook groups out there this is the one i can vouch for because i am you know administrate the whole thing but this is when i could definitely tell you to vouch for that like this is a very safe place to enjoy all things anime comics movies and games so if you want to come in if you have a legit profile your profile is more than five six years um you know, come along. If you answer all the questions and everything, go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash ACMG one, answer all the questions as mentioned, no more, no less. And you know, we'll get you in and then you can have all your conversations, safe conversations, you know, friendly conversations with, you know, like-minded people and fans that loves the same thing that you have. We need to make social media a much safer place than it was before and you know we need to make more friends than enemies online and be able to enjoy stuff like this when it comes out and so we got a lot more stuff to do now we got she-hulk coming um we got wakanda forever coming out which my i will say an early prediction right now in terms of next week and uh for san diego comic-con i think we're going to get a trailer of uh wakanda forever next week i think we're going to see submariner namor in that trailer uh, when and in San Diego Comic Con, when they go there, that's my first and only prediction I'm going to say right now. So that will do it, folks. That will do it for another edition of Talk Time Live. I hope you guys enjoyed this in every episode that we ever do. Over 300 episodes of the Prime Show, 
over 200 episodes of Select Start. That's not even counting all of our exclusive interviews, which all of them you can see on TalkTimeLive.com, audio, video, plus other content in it as well. If you would like to subscribe and download to your favorite podcast platform, you can do so on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Popping, TuneIn, Audible, Pocket Cast, Pandora, everywhere where podcasts are played, people. And um, check it out. Next week, uh, we got we got select start. I will definitely, you know, do that show, give you the news of the week. I don't know what I'm going to cover in terms of that. Uh, Again, like I said in the beginning, we may just do predictions for San Diego Comic-Con pending. There's no movie or show or anything I'm going to talk about at the end. Um, So we may just talk about the predictions of San Diego Comic-Con. That's kind of my lead in right now until I figure out like, oh, this is out. We're going to do this. Um, But other than that, that's what it's going to be. And then next week will be San Diego Comic-Con. So we'll probably just cover the whole entire bit of news is going on for there because guaranteed is going to be an explosive amount between you know whatever dc is going to do because dc apparently is going to be there too um between that between marvel um what marvel studios is going to put out um capcom and whatever is going to happen there we're going to give it to you all and we're going to talk about it all there so all right folks that'll do it for me on behalf of myself this is dax xavier josiah saying learn to let go live life and love all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live i M out of here. Have a great and safe and peaceful week, people. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.